show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Facehammer Worldwide, episode three. Uh, another group of interviews from our Facehammer Worldwide event held in September of 2020. Um, in this show, we are joined by Ant, AOS coach from Down Under, talk about gaming Down Under, and Darren Watson, who some would say is the mad inventor of many competitive Age of Sigmar lists to talk about competitive match play list building. Uh, so enjoy these two segments, and without further ado, let's get into it. Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. Hi, welcome to uh, another Facehammer Worldwide uh, interview, and we are privileged to be joined from the other side of the globe, the excellent uh, Anthony from uh, AOS Coach, as he's known on uh, on social medias and interwebs, uh, and a magnificent <laughs> beard that Les is extremely jealous of. I do have beard envy. I might turn my camera off so no one can look at me because I feel yeah, like you feel inadequate. Don't you? You're like, how yeah, can yeah. I sit on this call with this man? With my, he's putting us all yeah. to show. You could combine all of our beard power, and we still wouldn't come anywhere near that. No, I actually had somebody comment on my YouTube channel literally the other day saying um, they were comparing a uh, a faction focus. So we did a video a couple of weeks after OBR had come out, the FAQs had come out, and they looked at it. They they were watching that video and they said. I'm looking at your photo now. I'm looking at the photo then. How did you grow that beard in such a short time? I'm not even mad. I'm just jealous. Like, I'm impressed. Uh, and I'm like, and I'm starting to get a lot more beard comments in my YouTube, but I don't know if that's a good thing or if it means my beard is superior than my content. So I need to. But it also could be my uh, my trigger, or I guess, my my next steps into, into OnlyFans. So. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We were, I think we you know were, the page. <laughs> I take it's a way to go, man. I think I think it's definitely uh, you know it's all about that monetization. Um. <laughs> Patreon's too saturated. I think it's time that AOS gets into OnlyFans, and I think uh, maybe a beard calendar for for twenty twenty one could be yeah. you know, have a calendar to all the places that you can't go, and you're just gonna like cross it out yeah. that. Maybe it is a beard calendar. You could have like um, sort of slightly blurred out, obscured army lists, and be like, if you want to see it in full focus, high definition, it's my only fans. Like, <laughs> like five dollars. I could be opening a battle tome, you know, half naked, or like I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. There's so many opportunities, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean well, funny you should say calendar because Darren Watson off of the England team and obviously lists uh, out there has made a super sick calendar of the England team. So like, I'm sure that like, if you wanted a bearded unlock subscribe calendar, 
slide into Darren's DMs, and I'm sure you can collate that from people across the scenes. That'd be the I'll go to Scrivo, go to Scrivo, and he can make the artistic side as well. But uh, apologies yeah. to everyone who actually tuned in expecting some type of serious interview with me. Yeah, uh, this is, we are down a bad rabbit hole already. We've we've already gone way <laughs> off topic. Um, so let's just start off, and maybe it's a good idea just for you to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about what you do in the hobby, um, and uh, a little bit about your hobby journey. Like, how did you end up where you are now? Um, so how long was your beard when you started? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to kick Byron now. Yeah. Uh, I, I came out of the womb uh, three weeks early, which means I was ready to go rolling dice. Um, so in, in all seriousness, uh, so my name's Anthony. I run a YouTube channel called AOS Coach. Uh, I'm not the only coach. I just, uh, it was a, a bit of a transformation that I wanted to go through. Uh, and I, I guess I can explain in a minute why I chose that name as opposed to any other like alias, but so I'm based in Australia. I've been playing Warhammer since I was uh, 14, 15. Uh, got into it, funnily enough. Um, I'm actually writing a video. I got tagged by um, Age of Nagash on this I Am A Wargamer series, and I'm, I'm literally kind of you know reflecting on my journey as we speak. I, I grew up in Sydney. Uh, I grew up in this in Sydney. Uh, you know, my parents are divorced. Got it, you know, um, parents got divorced really early on in my journey mm. uh, as, as a child. And I actually moved to a rural country from like the biggest city in, in Australia to a town of about 10,000 people in the middle of nowhere. And the friends that I'd met were all a bunch of nerds. Um, I was a very sport kind of person in, in Sydney. And I met these people who played Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer. Uh, I got introduced to Heroes Quest. I got introduced to, you know, Lizardmen versus Bretonia fantasy battles, yeah, uh, Space yeah. Marines with the, with the, the, the paper dreadnoughts and the high off dragon when it was a paper <laughs> yeah. paper model. Yeah. Um, I remember mowing somebody's lawn for, uh, they gave me in return a metal second edition Skaven Blood Bowl team unpainted. Um, and it was kind of all these like little series and moments where I kind of got into this hobby and um, it's really become this thing where I, I stay connected with some of my oldest and dearest friends. Um, while we've kind of grown up and gone out separate ways, Warhammer's always been like one of the big consistents, depending no matter where they are in the world. So um, that's that's kind of where I came from, and really the the channel started as well. Um, funnily enough, I took a career break a couple of years ago, um, and I remember messaging Ben Curry on I think I remember I think Blood and Glory on TGA at the time, and Ben's like, "You should come," and I said to my wife, "I'm going," and that was it. Like literally, I just a couple of weeks later, I packed up my bags, we went over to England. Uh, went to Malta as well. No, we went to Greece, and um, yeah. that's where I met you lot. And I thought, stuff this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set up a YouTube channel and try to hopefully promote the best of Australia as well. I got jealous of, you know, the likes of you guys. The, you know, there were so many great podcasts and YouTubes for America and England, and at the time there wasn't enough for Australia. So that was one of my, I guess, catalysts to to get into content creation. And I guess here we are now. Yeah, awesome. So, it's, I was going to say, like, yeah. I mean, I can only ever really think of like the dwellers before yourself, like the dwellers below, and they were an eighth edition podcast, weren't they? And I know that they did the about the hammer or something. Yeah, yeah. Dwe yeah. Dwellers went on a, so. a on a hiatus, you know, uh, during Age of Sigmar, and at the time, yeah, we had um, we had uh, uh, Heralds of War. So Clint Mallet, who okay. who runs CanCon, that was his kind of baby. 
And then we also had uh, Mortally Wounded, so Chris Welfare and James Mabry. They were probably the two most okay. dominant podcasts. And then you had Doom and Darkness, who was the most, I guess, dominant YouTube channel. But he was on, like, on the fence at the time where, um, you know, he was on, like, a bit of a love-hate relationship with Age of Sigma, yeah. uh, being an, an ogre player who who wasn't getting any love at the time. Um, <laughs> so I can blame the bloke. Is he's, he's, he's awesome. He's absolutely crushing it. You know, some of the best bat reps, in my opinion, on YouTube. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I look at um, what's happened since and the Australian scene has just absolutely blown uh, blown up from a content creator, from a gaming, from an event, uh, and it's awesome to be a part of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, what, uh, so I have to say, like, seeing CanCon, the way that that went, I think not this year, the year before, um, I know Travis, like, one of the guys that come over for um, South Coast, and messaged me saying, like, if you want to go to CanCon, like, it's going to go big. And I was like, I was having an iron at the time because like we just come back from adepticon i think that year and then it was just like the biggest event ever and it's just to see that down there it's like it really made that sort of like really scratched that itch for me personally i'm not sure about russ and the guys but like that's one of the ones i need to tick off the list i've done adepticon i want to do like nova midwest and then come down to um come down over to, to, to australia and play a game i think it's just a long way to travel to play warmer almost needs to be like a proper holiday when you come down there so do that and then play like a tournament so the, the great thing about Ken, there mm. you'll be fine. They're just just don't be an idiot, uh, and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but but you know, like CanCon, CanCon, for example, I guess this is for everybody. Um, CanCon happens in the middle of Australia's summer, so it is a great opportunity to come down, spend some time at the beach, you know, hang out at bars. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're talking post COVID. You can't come now; yeah. the borders are closed. But um, it's a you know I, I've had people come overseas and they bring their family and you know le- leave their family or their girlfriends or their wives just to hang out for a couple of days and come to Canberra. Um, there's some really awesome family stuff as well in Canberra, so you can kind of do do the science museum. There's a lot of cool stuff as well and the war memorials and there's just a lot of cool stuff in Canberra. So um, you definitely want to make a holiday of it, and it's a good time yeah, to do it as opposed to coming to another event where it's winter. But in saying that, our winter's still like summer. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. Say. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely on the list, mate. Is um, want to go over there and sort of like see what the see see how the the scene differs like over there compared to how it is over in the UK. Because even sort of like obviously being part of the playtest team, um, we've got some American guys in the team. We like just the way that we look at things is very different because of just the way the meta changes in different parts of the world, which I guess kind of like leads me on to the the next question, which is like, how do you see it? Somebody that's played in the UK scene and then played uh, play obviously in the Australian scene. What do you think the, the, how do you see the differing sort of like lists and the takes on stuff from over that part of the world compared to over it is over here? I mean, it's all Sigmar, but. And, yeah. And I've also played in America. So I was at Adepticon yeah. um, last year. So uh, I got cool. to play in the doubles. I got to play um, in the singles. I got to play a bunch of games in between. So I think I got 10 games in at Adepticon. Um, Amazing. So I played in America, England, and Australia. Um, so it, it's a really good question. And from a meta perspective, um, we don't live in the bizarro world. So I'll just put yeah. it out there. Darkling Covens aren't go, going 5-0 and o at all our major <laughs> events. Uh, change Host aren't taking the wooden spoon. Um, what you see is in the world is what you get. You know, Lumineth will be very popular. Yeah. You'll have Seraphon. You'll have Sanch. You'll have, um, you know, Cities of Sigma. You'll have Shootcast coming back from Stormcast. 
you know, what you see in the global meta is reflective in Australia. However, the, the big thing that happens in Australia, which um, people may not appreciate, and I'll say New Zealand as well, because we are brothers and sisters and we, and we do play in a similar meta and they come over to see us and, you know, we go over there as well. Um, one of the challenges that we have in Australia is, I guess, um, I'd say accessibility. And I say that because there is a joke that Australia's prices are like, you know, expensive. Uh, they are. They truly are expensive. Yeah. When I was at Blood and Glory, went to Warhammer World, I was essentially buying buying one uh, start collecting box, getting one free. That At the time, yeah. that was literally the conversion. So when I see Australia, I see Australia aren't as quick to jump onto new armies and they don't jump all the time. We play in seasons. We'll often play a, a year long potentially for uh, an army. CanCon, which is the world's largest event, Australia's largest event, is such a milestone that that really is our new year, new army. Um, when Games Workshop's talking in the 1st of January saying, hey, new year, new army, we are already ready to go preparing for CanCon, which is like three weeks later. Um, it's also then combined by our, our Australian Masters scene, which is a uh, invitation-only event. I know you guys have it as well. The Americans don't have it. Um, and that really underpins our competitive scene as well. So uh, often we'll stick to those seasons and you you will notice people won't change armies as often because one of price, they're, they're likely to hang on to their armies longer. Yeah. Uh, two, I, I think we have a really great hobby scene. So I think people spend the time to really put in effort and we get complimented at, at, at events like CanCon, which because it's a, it's a convention, there's 40K, Bolt Action, Sword and Spear, mm. X-Wing, we we get a lot of compliments just the level of hobby um and and i think just yeah I, there's there's a kind of a, a a a big mixing pot here on on our meta and i think that me that also breeds then that because you go to a tournament and it's not just dominated by the top armies um uh, and you've still got to consider those mid table armies you know the meta kind of shifts that way as opposed to only building armies that have to deal with the top three, the top four. Yeah. Um, so, like, kind of on, on the financial basis, if an army is, uh, like, cheaper, like, let's say Beast Claw Raiders, for example, because uh, you can rock up with four, five stone horns and a couple more Monfang or whatever, if an army is cheaper, does that mean it may potentially have a, a quicker or more enthusiastic upkeep? Um, then, uh, like, we've got an extreme example at the moment. Like, Lumineth are literally twice as expensive as, like, buying three Beast Claw start collecting and pretty much having an army. Does that affect things to any degree? I, I don't think so. I think uh, I think the cost comes into play. It just means players hold on to their armies longer sure. uh, and more reluctant to jump as opposed to uh, Games Workshop bringing out Lumineth, bringing out the Gargans. I don't think anyone's going to sit there and worry financially about Gargans. Uh, but when they do invest in an army, they will hold on to it longer um, and they won't jump to the next. Um, and I think as well, because they're not jumping as often, it means that they're not just doing, you know, battle-ready battle, battle ready armies, just trying to get it on the table as quick as possible um, and then kind of jumping to the next tournament and doing that type of that type of pattern. They are, they're really investing and keeping that army for a long time. That's quite interesting that um, that's, that affects the matter in terms of um, how quickly people jump between, between factions to jump onto the new, the new thing. And I think... It's something that I wish we had over here more, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. because I'd uh, love to play in 
that environment. It does. It does make like, competitive play like um, a little bit exhausting sometimes if you want to be the the top end. So I think really what I would ask ask yourself how how do you feel in terms of the game state and the sort of the GHB and all that? Because I I believe you you touched on you played Warhammer in the old days and I don't know if you played it competitively, but um, I find it quite interesting because there's a lot of people who come into AOS that never really played old world uh, competitive Warhammer. And I think it's a very different animal. And I think um, there's a lot of stuff that we used to sort of go, oh, I wish it was this, I wish it was that back in the day. And now it kind of is that. And then people going, I wish it was more like this. And that's the old way. And it's kind of weird <laughs> for me. But I mean, mm. how do you feel uh, sort of from but it's a competitive point of view the game is? It's interesting you say that because um, if it wasn't for COVID, um, in two weeks' time, I would actually be playing in a sixth edition Warhammer Fantasy Battles <laughs> tournament. So um, it got cancelled literally like a week and a half ago. Uh, unfortunately, uh, some things have happened. But, uh, I, I have been building a 1,500-point Empire Knights army, so purely wow. 100% Knights, um, like a, a, a Battle Standard Bearer, I think I had a, a wizard, a gold wizard, and I also had just a, a knight captain, and then like thirty-two knights. Literally, that was it. Uh, and I've been practicing, and I've been playing with that. And one of the things that I wanted to do in that in that journey was say, was I looking at Warhammer Fantasy Battles with rose-tinted glasses? Yeah. Um, was it truly as awesome as it was? And I went back to sixth edition because sixth edition and eighth edition, in my opinion, are the two best. Um, I've been playing since like late third mostly fourth and onwards yeah and it's it was really interesting right because there is no double turn in one of fantasy battles you had the power dice so you know i'd get six yeah. dice and i could allocate those dice however i wanted to allocate i'd have to pivot um you, you had battleshock test but the battleshock test wasn't just removing models you would literally run away um and it was interesting to go through this process and play these games and relearn and and there is some really cool things in Warhammer Fantasy Battles I'd love to see. Um, I love some of the restrictions you've got to have. You know, I think, uh, and there's some things that, you know, like from a list building point of view, um, I, I do like some of the stuff in Fantasy Battles, but then there are some things I'm like, thank Christ it's gone. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. so happy it's gone. Um, I do miss things like Total Power and, you know, Miscast, but then in 8th edition they got really weird. But yeah. Um, I think from a, a, a fantasy and Sigma side, I think you've got to separate yourself and realize that it's two different games. Mm. Um, it's a message that I hope uh, high elf players, uh, <laughs> Bretonian players, um, uh, Tomb Kings players, um, I, you know, there may be a Bretonia in, in some time in the future. I know, yes, Flesh Eater Courts, but um, they are in the past. This is Sigma. It's a completely different game. I just wish Seraphon were in that bin bag with the rest of them. I feel, I feel, I feel like like that. My my army's been put in the bin, and the one that should have gone in the bin hasn't. They've got away with it, and I just, I just, it, it gets me every time. Chokes me up, man. I think that I think the benefit though is that um, in the Warhammer Fantasy Battle days, um, we weren't FAQ'd as much as we are now. Battle tomes weren't being released as quick as they were. So as you all would remember, when Dark Elves were really broken, they were broken for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, and their comp systems had to come in to say, you can't use this. If I'm a Dark Elf player, I'm like, but I want to run my, my repeater bolt throwers. I want to run this. This is what I really like. 
Um, but some tournament org, and, and as a tournament organizer, I don't want to say no. Um, it's tough as it is to say no to a proxy or a conversion, let alone telling people that straight up that um, uh, that Lord Croak is banned. Like, I don't want to do that. That's no. it's not really what I want to do. So. I, I guess the speed of change is, is, is far greater in, in Sigma, um, but we seem to be getting a lot more breaks in the system um, for, for whatever reason. Um, so, do you feel whether that, that means that? So I was going to say, sorry, do you feel that the comp is something that would have to come in, or should be introduced to shake the meta up a little bit to make it less um, netlisty? I guess is a term I would use. Or do you think that it's fine just to keep running as it is and? the cycle of GHB and FAQs is enough to keep it fresh? I think uh, I think when we talk about uh, netlisting, netlisting obviously was always around. It was just the, the way that we access the internet in the 90s is far different and more accessible today than it ever was before. You know, there was always forums. There were always ways to share your lists. Uh, it's just the speed of those lists and how easy it is now compared to the past. Plus the speed I, of the I, army I do, being released, right? Like that's a, the speed it, of the armies a, as well. It's, it's a combined uh, thing, isn't it? Oh, I, I remember you know playing, playing, and then you know Dogs of War come out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then from there, I remember when the undead got split. But rarely did you get a new army. Like, yeah, you got the ogres, got a new book, and you know people got books, but it was more like 40k where you went deep as opposed to going wide with yeah. the the number of factions. Mm. I. I do wonder if we need to, we've obviously tapped into the Magic the Gathering um, way, way of play. Um, they're drawing upon inspiration from Magic the Gathering, how tournaments, how seasons, um, interactions, you know, between grand alliances and things. I do wonder when, when we'll take the next step and start retiring models, much like they do in their competitive scene to say, it's just a modern competition. And modern is the definition of three, the, the last yeah two years or three years of, of army books um if you want to play a legacy competition cool go play with your tomb kings go play with you know some some old models yeah but I, but i guess uh I, I, obviously there's a lot of stuff you know it's easy to, to retire a card versus retiring a model that i've built painted converted loved and it's yeah. very different Absolutely. Or How'd if they you... brought out a way to draft, I would never play another game ever in my life. If I could draft <laughs> with models, I'd be gone. <laughs> and that's why Tomb Kings players still uh, want to play with Tomb Kings, because they love it. That's their aesthetic. Mm. Um, you could easily say, Tomb Kings, guys, it's been five years, move on. But that's, w- that's what they're tied to. Don't so <laughs> I was going to say that as, as like, and one of the things that I, I find quite interesting, because when... Um, uh, sort of 8th edition we got a bit stale and um, we knew something was coming but we didn't know what it was um, I I did a little bit of experimenting on other game systems and um, Andrew Galea who um, started Rankings HQ from, from the neck of the woods and that and um, me and him were quite good friends so we went to a War Machine tournament and I, I sort of tried to get into War Machine and just didn't really like the game and I found as a new player coming in because the game was quite well established and it had hundreds of cards and models with their own rules on the cards and they're in the they had some collection books it's very similar to how aos is and i found as a new player having to learn 400 500 sets of individual units and what they do was extremely daunting and i think when 
AOS was released and it was like it's four pages of rules, it's accessible, come on in, get started. I think that was really good. But then it's almost I don't use the word bloat, but it's kind of got to the point now where you've got oh, I've got three different battle tomes with an allegiance from here, points from this book that have been revised in the FAQ, and this is my army book, and this is the war scrolls, and I've got magic cards from you know, malign sorcery or whatever, not so much anymore, but, you know, like I've got these realm spells and they're on top of my normal spells and these books don't have spells. And I think that it's actually become fairly daunting, I think, as a new player coming in saying, how do I get into this system? How do I know that what I'm doing is correct and and legal? And I think you touched on it a little bit when you said about magic, where they start retiring out sets purely to make the... Uh, there is a game mode which is very concise to get into, and I know the General's Handbook does it does it a little bit. But do you think that it's a problem with the game for new players? Hundred um, percent. And I say that because uh, for the last couple of months, and I'm very very close to finally executing on this. I've I have been trying to develop uh, a series of videos to get people started. Because you're right, when I very first started in Age of Sigma, it was four rules. There was no malign sorcery. There was no general's handbook. There was four. So there were six scenarios when the first general's handbook came out for competitive match play. Um, there was nothing hidden in white dwarves. Uh, there was no command points. There was only six uh, terrain rules. Um, the interactions on how to claim an objective were clean and crisp. There was no weirdness around behemoths and monsters and, and 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 all this stuff, right? There was no, there was very summoning that you had to allocate points for summoning as opposed to free summoning. So it was a very very simple, clean game, which made it really easy to eventually get into. But as a new player right now, if I was to step into that, um, it's it's very complicated, and and what's challenging is for people like me who are established in the community. We, we create events that are 2,000-point events that are using the full match play rules with the realms, with X, with Y, with auxiliary objectives. And as someone coming in for their first experience, it is very overwhelming. So much like the gym, it's like, how do I get in, get some reps, get some practice in, and then build the muscle over time as opposed to trying to you know, bench press 200 kilos, not enjoy the time, and then I go somewhere else. I play a computer game, which is clearly easier and cheaper to get into. So uh, to, to answer your question, absolutely, it's very challenging. And um, I've been trying to really trying to understand how to simplify that and make that journey easier. It's been um, something that's been on our minds. We've been talking a lot about it when we're talking yeah. about launching our channel and what sort of video content we want to do. Um, in terms of your content then, so you, you've obviously, you call yourself the coach and I guess your what's your main um, ethos behind your channel, just for people who may not be familiar, is it, is it about just helping people on their journey, on their way? Is that, that, that the motivation that you draw from? Yeah, I, um, the, the, coach, the coach kind of persona, um, it came from wanting to help people on their journey and um, I, this is a game that we, we are always building our skills. We're always building our knowledge. And I think we can all learn from each other. You know, um, I've always felt really weird talking about armies that I don't play. And that's why I'll never try to be the sub subject matter expert. Um, much like a, a professional coach in any sport, while they might be the head coach, they've always got 
uh, defensive coach, an attacking coach, a kicking coach, a uh, mm. fitness coach. And the way I, I, I eventually kind of looked at the world is that everyone who I get onto my channel is my assistant coach. You are the expert in Beast Core Raiders. Talk to me about Beast Core Raiders. I understand what it's like to play against you. I can clearly read the book, but you're someone who's done your reps. You know what, what the, the granularity is in there. And it's not to say that I am the coach. I know everything. I'm here to teach you everything, but I'm going to help navigate that journey for you to be as good as you can be. Um, and I think that also keeps my competitiveness at bay. Uh, I'm an ultra competitive player. Um, I got to the Australian Masters and came fifth in the first year, but I didn't like the person I became at the time. I didn't like the, the person chasing the meta and how I was interacting with people. So I said, I'm pulling back. And um, that, that being that YouTube guy makes me think about my interactions as well because people are perceiving me and my channel with how I treat them. So it's more of a reminder as opposed to um, I'm trying to tell you everything because yeah. that's not me. So it keeps you honest. yourself, <laughs> is what you're saying. It does keep me honest. It's it's real. Like I'm not. It's not a facade that I'm no, putting up. No. But it, it's it is a gate. It's a, it's a, a gate that I put in. But it also means that um, I, I mentioned earlier that you know I got really jealous that the Americans and the UK. You know, at the time of Age of Sigma starting, you know, you guys were absolutely crushing it. But you also had uh, bad dice. You had heel and hammer. You had all these guys, and you're hearing about these great people, and I'm like. Australia is just as good. It's just that we don't have a voice. You guys don't know about it. Yeah. Um, and that was a way that I could bring that voice in to say, listen to X. Yeah. Well, I think it's um, the Australian scenes obviously come more on the radar. It's very difficult for us um, because you always talk about what you know and what you see and what you interact with. And I think um, yeah. because, you know, geographically, we're we you know miles away, really. But it's just like, yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting because, um, like Les was saying, it'd be great to go over and experience the scene at that at the spot. It's kind of a thing that that I'm sort of passionate about. And going to Adepticon was a real eye opening yeah. experience for us in terms of like the American scene. Um, and I know that in the past, like with the ETC, or you know that the Australians used to have like quite a strong presence. And we do the Ashes and things like that, so it was quite close to the Australian team. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd definitely be something that that we'd want to get into. But it's it's really yeah. interesting when you talked about competitive play and you were trying to achieve things. You didn't like the way that you were perhaps behaving to get there, and you took a step back. and And what I would um, it's something I've spoken to people before because I can remember back when I was younger and a bit more keen and things like that. And you tend to get your first podium, and then you kind of chill, and then you get podiums. Yeah without trying so hard and um then once you've achieved a bunch of stuff you kind of think is that really why i go to these things or is it yeah. because it's about the people and the hobby and the, the 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 escapism for some you know and 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 like just having that common interest that you can talk to someone about and be like this is um you know this, this is this is what it's all about it's not it's not about winning it although when yeah. you if you're competitive, you play to win because that's the object of the game, yeah. but it's not yeah. all cost sort of mentality. No. Did you, did you have a moment where you got your first podium and you were like, and it made you kind of step back and relax or, I mean, I can see some trophies in the background. So I guess you've, you've <laughs> had some success. I, th- 
I think the I think I think just to clarify, um, just so people don't uh, think that you know, prior to jo- creating a channel, I was just a jerk and like pushing children and stealing their lollipops and no. like that wasn't <laughs> like, but it it, it 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 was more than that. It was um, the amount of time that I put into models because I was always chasing the meta because I was always trying to bring in new models. I was really only trying to get them to tabletop standard. So because I was just constantly chasing. Um, I didn't feel that my army presentation was nearly as as good mm. as it could be, and I know when I the minute I st- I stood back, I you know moved into my Gits army, and you know really put the time to to do three three layers of edge highlighting, you know really focus on painting the eyes, um, and because I wasn't you know always trying to get that next win, I could really enjoy the game, and I you know in, in between the breaks I wasn't looking at army lists and trying to work at how I was going to win, I was talking to people. I was yeah. hanging out, hearing how they, they're – so it wasn't necessarily just specifically about the ta- game itself, but just the overall experience. It's a hobby. Um, it's not like I can retire uh, winning a million dollars for winning a, a particular event. So um, so for me, it was just more about joining the process. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you could retire, but then I guess yeah. – uh, like what? What are the impacts of the million dollar prize exactly. pools yeah. in Age of Sigma, and how does that change the way we all hang out and play? And yeah, question mark. Yeah, uh, it is but- very different. Like when when you said about like the, uh, I, I think we touched on it yesterday. Is that I think that there's to, you can't be, you can't. For me personally, I think to be at the top end of the hobby, uh, in like a competitive gamer, you can't have the nicely painted army that you've got pride in because the meta shifts so quickly. You know, it's like, look at Terry as an example. Terry's obviously thrice fold list that he's running now. He's been running that list for what? Two years. Two, and it's years? now just, it's now gone. Like it's been at the bottom of the bottom of the hill and now it's like mm. on the rise again. And it's, you're right. Like you have to make a choice almost to go, do I paint this army fast and get it on the table? It's like my, my turquoise storm pass were featured in white dwarf. I've got none of the new models. I've got no secretaries, I've got no evocators, none of them. Because to paint them to the standard of the rest of the army is just too much too much effort. And you have to make a decision, don't you? It's like, do you enjoy the hobby? I mean, and you can do both. But I think to be a super competitive gamer, you need to have the disposable income, the time, and the sort of like the inkling to just go, this army isn't going to be... I, I need to adapt, change my list, and then you start going, right, well, I can't then paint it to that top-end quality and, you know, in the presentation bit that you were saying. You need to – I think you need to make a choice. You will either go, this is going to be the level I paint to, and that's it. You, it's a time trade-off. It's uh, – I'm trading uh, – let, let's say I have, I don't know, five hours of hobby a, a week, whether it's during the week or weekend, however it might be. And yeah. everyone has a different allocation of time. If I've got five hours a week, uh, is, is that that's two games that I could be practicing – or I could be painting, or it's a combination of both. And if I do want a podium at a significant event, I probably need more ga- more than one game a week. Um, I really want to be practicing twice, three times. And I'm sure uh, when you guys, you know, had your best best podium, you were practicing probably more than once a week. Um, yeah. And then, you, you know, you're, you're researching lists, you're talking to people, <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're theory crafting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Byron like doesn't practice. Byron's like when the GT and Stephanie doesn't practice. It's ridiculous. I, so I didn't play a single game. I've been taught for two years. <laughs> I don't do practice games. 
but yeah, I, <laughs> I am uh, like as, as an aside to that, rather than looking like a complete asshole. Um, I when I was doing really well, I had like the, the start for that for me actually was a month break from work and just a huge amount of mental headspace, and I wasn't playing games, but I was in an extremely good, free and chilled place with the ability to be at peace and think about stuff on a way that I do think was was genuinely helpful. So uh, like kind of my my practice was done just by thinking about stuff. Um, and mm. I know that sounds a bit weird, but that did um, that did definitely play a large part in my ability to do well at events was uh, I, I, I was lucky enough to happen upon an army that completely suited me. And then the other thing also was, and you touched on this already, um, the game was simpler. Like I, I could theory my way through how my army would play in six scenarios, and I knew that I was going to play five of those in any event. You cannot do that now. Like it, it is impossible in my mind now to take the approach that I took just like a handful of years ago, three years ago. Um, you just can't. And um, I like obviously, I'm biased. I really enjoyed playing in that way and thinking in that way. I, I think it's a bit of a shame there's that much bookkeeping and kind of mental space needed for it but um i don't think it's nearly as possible as it is um as it was then to do that type of thing now you, you need to put more time in because stuff is moving faster things are more complicated and there's so much more to forget and you can't learn how how to do things in the same way whatsoever yeah and some people are really good at um remembering their rules they are someone that can really theory craft um for other people so people like me I, I learned the best from experience. Um, mm. I learned the best from reflection. So playing a game yesterday, I played against Lumineth. And now that I've experienced Lumineth, I've seen, you know, what Teclas can do. I can see how the Wardens and the Sentinels work. I get an understanding of how the, uh, the spell portal and, you know, X and Y. And now that I've experienced that, I bring that to the table and I now can play better because for me, that's the, the, the feeling and the, the experience overrides the 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 logic and the uh the the book i you know so um i think yeah i i, I wholeheartedly agree and again you know for anyone who's listening to this i hope uh this is not a negative thing it's it's not to say that you know you have to sacrifice 10 hours a week to be you know winning winning at the top that it comes deliberate practice uh, the amount of information now is is so readily available you listen to podcasts youtube you can watch bat reps uh you don't have to be practicing all the time. You can get those experiences from watching others and listening to others. Yeah. But the game it. is a more comfortable, uh, complicated. Yeah, I think if you want to do that, you have to make a very educated guess as to what army you should be picking as well. Because some armies you can that they they do their own thing, and that's part of what's going on. They don't worry as much about the opponents. Um, I mean, I guess. What armies would you suggest for people to start the game with if they want to? They're not there to just like smash it and win at all costs. But if they want to compete and also not have a bucket of stuff to learn about other armies or their own armies, what would you say are the the solid kind of starting options for people in a gaming perspective? Forget about having to to build it and yeah, paint it. So basically, not the armies I choose, like Cities of Sigmar <laughs> and Glooms by Gits, um, because they are very complicated and have too many options. So I guess, I guess if I was giving advice to somebody getting started, uh, again, ironic, I've been writing start collecting series literally just before I got on the stream. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think I would think about some of the factors. I'd, I'd think about the cost. I would think about um, the 
the the the abilities i guess how easy is the army to run the synergies uh to apply how forgiving are the army and a couple of armies that would come to mind for me would be things like the ogres and whether it's the um the iron jaws or the dad bods so the iron jaws that's where i'm going next um the the beast color raiders or the uh the ogres you know things something like the iron jaws something things like nighthawk something like stormcast you know they're all relatively forgiving armies that have some tools that uh, have advanced strategies if you want to apply them, but Night Haunt literally you just move them forward, got a mortal wound save, they've got a you know ethereal save, got some cool stuff. It's it's relatively easy and it's co- it's cheap to get into. Yeah. Um, so that there are a couple of things that have come to mind. You know, Nurgle might be another because it also is very forgiving with its paint scheme. Um, yep. So, but again, I I always say to people. Um, find the models that you love and you enjoy because you will most likely spend more time painting the model than playing with the model. Yep. And you want to enjoy that part of the process as well, unless you're going to commission paint something, which uh, I believe some people here on the stream might be commission painters. So maybe they want to send them <laughs> over to you. <laughs> Shout out to those commission painters. Yeah. I'm struggling. Aren't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah that's interesting so you mentioned you you're collecting gits and cities are your sort of two main factions um what draws you to those then and and how do you feel about those um those battle tomes and and why are these the, the ones that you really like so city cities is because of legacy it's i was an empire player i played empire that was really my only army through the entire fantasy battles and then when I came to Sigma, I, I played free people um, and just to prove a point. And I, I got to the Masters with the former cities of Sigma before I even got rules. Um, so I played with handgunners and, you know, had the, the awesome great company rules. <laughs> so that kind of – I wanted to prove a point when it comes to cities and I still love cities. Um, it's just a diverse character set. But it's also very frustrating because you're constantly in, in list building mode and – because there's just so many options, it can be a bit of a analysis paralysis. You know, do I take X? Do I take Y? Do I take this list in Tempest Eye or Hammer Hall? Do I swap this out for a Dreadlord and Black Dragon? Or is it better with the Free Guild General and Griffin? So you're constantly, like, just constantly shaking it up. Uh, Gits for me was uh, to have fun. That was the, that yeah. was the moment where I'm like, I just want to go down and, and, and roll some dice, laugh at you. If you kill my army, it's killing grots. You, you, you're picking on a, a child. If I win, well, guess what? Ha ha, you <laughs> lost the gits. And there's some <laughs> stupid stuff like fanatics. There's stupid stuff like squigs. There's stupid stuff like uh, the big booby troll hag. Like it's just a fun, stupid army, and uh, it is very fun to play with. Uh, and then, and then, literally this this time next month, hopefully, I will be the proud owner of some mega gargants, and I'll be running around with the sons of Behemoth. I've seen you uh, talking <laughs> excitedly about trying to get your your mitts on an ale guzzler and uh, and the sort of the gargan stuff. So you're uh, super excited. Have you managed to start your uh, your little giants yet? Have you got some done? And I've got three. I've got yeah. three. Ben Johnson bought all of them for the entire world. Um, yeah. But I was able to get three before he he didn't actually don't no. don't he like, monopolized. That was a joke because he's evil and he doesn't want yeah. anyone else to have fun. We've quoted you now. That's yeah. it. So. Uh, you just clip, you've clipped that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to edit the bit uh, out when you retract it, so it's fine. <laughs> ben, ben, I'll write up your resume. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I'm looking at one gar- gargants. I think are going to be hilarious. But two, I'm looking at this going. How do you win? 
like how do I win with this army? And I think it's a really cool challenge. And again, it's like, well, I've got I've got six models on the table. Uh, cool. If I win, I win. If I lose, well, guess what? I'm going to hang out in the mid tables, have some fun, chat to people. And I think the element as well is just people going to go, oh man, I'm facing a Garkin army. That's really cool. Uh, it's a feeling that I had when I ran the old cities of Sigma, even back in Firestorm, even before those, people were like, oh, man, I've never seen a ha- bunch of handgunners before. Oh, wow, what is that model? And there was something special to that. So, um, And that's why things like even things like Beasts of Chaos kind of um, r- draw to me because not many people run Beasts of Chaos, but if I throw down a bunch of Cockatrice, people are like, man, I've never played against Cockatrice army before. Don't get me started. I really want to do that army so much. But like, be, like it's just so cool, right? Like, you know, I played a friend uh, some time ago who just ran all Thunderscorn. Like, it was a hundred percent Dragger Ogre with Shagoths. Never seen it before. But when I play, I don't know, OBR Petrofix Elite. There was a tournament I went to oh, before before COVID, and I played three PE OBRs <laughs> in one tournament. And hey. how excited can you be for your opponent when you're like, oh? I know what this does. I played this twice already. Oh, you've got Nagash instead of, you know, Arkan the Black. Oh, you've got a couple less, you know, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I know I know what you're saying. It's um I think um it is it is I do like to find the the alternative uh premium uh competitive list and I it's um Interesting what you said about analysis paralysis with cities because I've been umming and ahhing about doing Slaves to Darkness and I've kind of committed myself now to uh, doing it thanks to Carl for giving me the kickstart of models that I didn't want but then I did really want but you know it's uh, forcing me to do the army now which is nice um, but actually um, I'm finding that a little bit like the cities book it's just spread over the Zinch, Blades of Corn, Maggotkin, um, you know, Sunesh, uh, Wrath of the Ever Chosen Rough. and Slaves to Darkness yeah. Power Tome. It's like I've got a pile of books and you're like it's almost like um I feel a little bit like, you know, sort of the, the sort of trying to unlock the puzzle to find the the sequence that, that makes a list that's that's decent and I think yeah. it's uh, I quite enjoy that process, but it's uh it is very hard to remember all the nuances interactions between all the rules and all the allegiances and all the artifacts to get the most out of it but um if i if i bring it back to the the original topic which is australia i think one big thing that makes us different or maybe a little bit special is that we will take the foundations of a net list and we'll try to make it our own you know even if we run something that's that's you know petrifix elite you know change host uh starborn salamander skink spam We'll, we'll find our own little way to make it unique, whether it's the way we use chameleon skinks, whether it's the introduction of, you know, the, the death ponies, or we'll, we'll, we'll try to find our own little way. Um, and I think that's probably maybe what I've noticed in Australia versus other communities is that we what, we will netlist, you know, I'm not saying that we don't netlist, but we'll try to find ways to make it a little bit unique, a little bit special. Um, and I think we kind of pride ourselves to kind of do that. And I think that's why when you see Australia's on the stream and people are watching our games going, why on earth is he running three Dreadlaw and Black Dragons in an Anvil Guard list? Um, or even before Anvil Guard, we're trying different things. Yeah. And I think that there are, I mean, like in the UK scene, it's, and I think it's interesting because you kind of see the noise that comes out, but there is a lot of people that do 
run like weird um off the wall non net lists or, or lists based on lists. I mean like obviously Darren's one of those people that creates these crazy armies from, from random books and Tom Maudsley's one of these people that takes it to the nth degree. And it's a bit like myself, like when I I was really excited about OBR, but I don't I didn't like the fact there was a lot of Petrifix Elite bandwagons, so I just decided to go into Mortis Praetorians and Catacross and and even took Xantos um and and made that work for me and because I didn't want to be the cookie cutter Petrifix. And a lot of it comes down to when I used to play with Tomb Kings, um, because people never played against them very much. So you go to an event, although they were quite a weak battle tome or army book, as we should say, um, you'd go onto a game and people would be like, what do they do? Like, I don't see them ever. Like, I don't understand mm. how they interact. And when you when they don't understand the magic phase where you're you're just doing your incantations, they always work. And it's like an attrition of your dispel dice until that, you know, that, that critical charge goes off that, that you've, you've set up, um, that people people don't know how to shut that down. And I think that, with AOS, there's a there's almost like a joy to find the list that people aren't prepared for that catches people out because you'll win games purely because they don't understand the strength of a combination or or how does that unit kill that unit? I can kind of math it in my head, but I didn't factor in this interaction or or you know how fast can that be and and stuff like that. So I think it's really interesting to find the the almost the the alternative meta, let's use that term, where you're saying, yeah. actually, I've got a list. It's completely, it's, it's based on a competitive concept, but it's different. And you play somebody and they go, I have no idea like what that does. Because well, I'll give you a perfect example. And I know we're co- I'm conscious of time and I know the great Darren is probably coming up very soon. But, um, you know, there's, there's people in our community, you know, De- uh, Ben Spinetti, I think he's the first person I'll shout out here. Ben Spinetti has been playing Ideneth Deepkin now for like two, three years since the book dropped. But he's been running Sharks. He's been running Sharks when when they were at their most expensive and doing really well. He, uh, I played him in a game about 12 months ago where he allied a Charybdis in and he's exploring those different types of builds and <laughs> and trying to unlock the the future meta. Um, so my advice to people would be to, to play around, look at your book, uh, look at other builds. Don't just do the cookie cutter approach. Try it. If you don't like it, you can always go back to what you used to do. That's um, yeah. That's probably that's that's a little bit about Australia. Shout out to all of the amazing content creators, all the amazing events. You know, Cinderfall Gaming. Go check them out on YouTube. Fail Charge on YouTube. Doom and Darkness. Measured Gaming. Go check out Modelly Wounded podcast. Uh, Heralds of War. If if Clint ever gets that back on, and would love to see you guys in Australia at some point. Absolutely. Dude, if you, um, all the things that you've just said, if you could pop a big old list in them, then in the chat, then people can click it now. And also we can link it when we make this into a, uh, a video on YouTube. People can have a, yeah, no, abs- absolutely. Packs. Uh, so there's some great yeah. creators. Plug in everyone else. Um, we should plug, plug you yourself. So people should come check out your channel if they're, you know, if they've, they've stumbled upon this. Uh, from our sort of uh, group uh, of people you're listening to this as a podcast and you're thinking I want to check this out so I'd say that definitely go and check your channel out and and you know support support you because I think what you're doing is great and uh, I'm really awesome, dude. Yeah. really pleased you took the time to come on and really appreciate that so um, 
yeah it's been it's been good so thanks very much for coming on today to talk to us and um thanks for the invite and, I, and and as we end the stream i might just uh brush my beard a little bit for you guys i know there's a bit of envy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to turn this off now because I feel inadequate. It's good thing you can only see Les from the chest up right now. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Because <laughs> I'm not buying like my t-shirt. <laughs> I, I see the box. I see the box of tissues off screen. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Thanks for the invitation, guys. This is amazing. Uh, I hope it's everyone hangs me. around and, and watches the rest of the stream uh, and uh, hangs around with awesome, cool guests. Yeah, amazing. Right. cheers, dude. Thanks very much. Thanks everyone for, for watching and uh, cheers. Facehammer merchandise is available from elementgames.co.uk Head over to the website and type Facehammer in the search bar to see the full range. From custom dice in a multitude of colours, paint racks to hold Vallejo Scale 75 Games Workshop and many more ranges of paints, and objective markers to make sure you never miss an objective again during match play. Head over to elementgames.co.uk and search for Facehammer. So, if you want to support the show, pick up some cool gamer swag from the Element Games web store and level up your hobby. Welcome to another Facehammer Worldwide interview, and we are joined by the excellent Darren Watson, the master of disaster himself, the uh, the <laughs> meta-defining list creator madman that is Darren Watson. I might say the best dancer on the tournament scene, some might say the second best dancer on the tournament scene, depends on you. We have a two-step. I can definitely <laughs> confirm or deny that he has the best nipples on the tournament scene. <laughs> <laughs> Shaped like Element oh, Games I... logos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think before we get um, we get into our discussion, um, I just want, if you would just give us a little bit of background information about who you are, what you do in the hobby, a little bit about your, your sort of list and stuff and your approach, and then we can get into some questions. Sure. Cool. Uh, I've been so I've been wargaming since I was about thirteen. I think I came across a leaflet in school, and it had loads of squigs and the uh, the night goblin squig herders, and I was obsessed by those. So I went down to my local games workshop that weekend, and uh, Bob was the manager at the time. He looked like um, a fat rounder Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And uh, he basically bullied me into buying. Um, a Chaos Dwarf Taurus. <laughs> so, like, Sounds a lot like some squig herders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So I ended up with like models that I probably couldn't I couldn't use. I'd never used super glue before. Um, but I took it home and cocked it up, went back in, bought some squigs. And then I remember the painting lesson that he gave me. I um, He told me that I'd done really well. It's the best squig he'd ever seen. And upon reflection, that was just terrible salesmanship, wasn't it? He was just taking advantage of me because I bought everything he recommended. <laughs> um, but I've been playing um, Warhammer ever since. Um, I used to be able to play it all, um, you know, Fantasy, 40K, Necromunda, but now I can't. I can't hold all those various games in my head. I just, I just play Age of Sigmar nowadays. Yeah, I played Fantasy sort of all the way up until it was it died and i never really um hit the tournament scene too big but i used to play in local tournaments like the south coast gt that you were yeah. you ran. 
and uh, used to do reasonably well there, I think. Um, no, oh, my girlfriend's just... Are you leaving? Bye, Alex. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye, Alex. That's, Have a good day. That's enough, Nerdjit. Bye, Alex. <laughs> Cheerio. Well, I, really loved, um, I really loved tournament play, but I didn't really sort of take it too, too seriously. And then I got into, and then I rage quit when um, when fantasy ended. I was one of those idiots, yeah. you know. And people like yourself, uh, yourselves, you know, you, you you kept the the flame burning, didn't you? Thank God. Wow. And then, there was a, a wobble, wasn't there, Russ? <laughs> the it was a um, flickering flame. No, no, I, I, yeah, but I mean, like when AOS come out, I mean, they started off with the um, the set and stuff, but yeah, I mean, obviously, change is always difficult, but I think. Um, I think we already had the Clash of Swords booked as the first AOS event and uh, yeah. collaborated with Mo on the Mo Comp and, and stuff and then took that forward for South Coast GT. And really the main the main impetus for me for keeping, a, like burning the torch for AOS was just because I wanted the South Coast GT to continue. That was the... Oh, well, <laughs> thank you for that. So I wanted so to I keep the on. community alive, you know, I wanted to keep the tournament scene alive and keep everyone in it that was in it, but... Yeah. Well, I missed out on those crazy years, which is a real shame because I think, you know, looking back, I'd have loved it, wouldn't I? Oh, you would. Mate, the world, world was West. a beautiful yeah. time. Yeah. Just like the yeah. end times was a beautiful time. Mm. Yeah. I, I did take part in the last um, the last tournament at Games Workshop HQ for um, um, for the end times. Sorry, my dogs are going mental. No, we took we took it right so it was an end times tournament advertised as an end times tournament me and my friend russ it was doubles we took five models we took archaeon Tyrion, marathi the chaos zinch lord that was on a um, disc that had a free up say, you know and uh, yeah, a wizard on, and an eagle and we we got twelve thousand victory points. <laughs> it was amazing. Did he come like seventieth? Um, yeah, yeah. Because basically, at the end, because we're taking this horrible, you were supposed to be able to challenge people right at the end, and the the the, pe the people that won it, they just challenged their mates and beasted their mates. And because we'd been so horrible, um, because we've been so horrible to everyone, they just gave us a Games Workshop employee for our last game. <laughs> Because obviously we were, we were ruining everyone's fun, but it was the end times. When are you, whenever you're gonna, when are you gonna see Archeon and Marathi and Tyrion all in the same game? Right? You should. Yeah. That's what it should be. Exactly. But anyway, they were cowards. They wouldn't. They wouldn't fight us. The people that won it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my last experience of Warhammer, and then obviously Age of Sigmar came along, and I spent eighteen months, um, you know, pissing and moaning about <laughs> the change, and then my the Bruce has convinced me to. Um, uh, to get back into it. And my first game of Age of Sigma was I was using Wood Elves versus Dwarves. And I remember the first thing my mate Wayne did to me was flame cannon me with two flame cannons. I thought, this is rubbish! <laughs> <laughs> mate, mate, I got I got tomb-kinged by Russ in my first game of fucking Age of Sigma. It made me not want to play. Like, like, it was like two it, editions. Like, Malekith yeah. got shot by Skeleton Bowman. Get off. Get off the table. Oh. I just maybe like will not want to play anymore. I mean, like generally, I don't want to play Russ anyway. But most of the time, it's, um, <laughs> that really hammered at home. It was, uh, <laughs> but I think the first time I, I remember meeting you, Darren. Like, I'm not sure if I met you in Eighth Edition, but I can definitely remember meeting you at that that first. I think it was Warlords, mm. um, uh -huh. the GW AOS event, and you took Sylvanoff, didn't you? And you were doing really well with them, I think. 
Yeah, we that played, was like because I, 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 me and Darren played. So that was yeah. Well, that was my first my first competitive event. Um, I ended up taking <laughs> eighteen Colonel Hunters at the time, yeah. and I think I took Drychair, which people weren't using, and uh, a Treeman uh, Ancient. Treeman Ancient was quite good because you could get two up. Um, two up your ones. Nod Warrior, broken armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but and also at that event, I played Liam Cook, who proudly told me at the beginning he was the UK's best silver net player. Um, Sweet. And all, I, all I did was shoot a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. I played terribly, but my army was bonkers because it had fifteen Colonel Hunters in it. So I managed to get a win there. But only a minor win though. To, mm. to you know, he played much better than me. I just sat there and shot him. And then I ended up playing. <laughs> The UK master at the time, and uh, this I, again I played terribly, but the mission was in my favour, wasn't it? And yeah. I, you had a beautiful corner on me, and I could just shoot it. Um, so I managed to get, and I didn't realise you were the the master at the time. So that's probably probably just as well. I didn't realise I could have been telling everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm I said, but no, I said if I would have beat yeah. you, I would have said, don't feel bad on the master. But if you beat him, I'm not going to tell you because you're going to lord it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, like, yeah. Nothing to win, everything to lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, to your credit, you didn't mention it. And then I ended up having to play uh, Ben Curry. So I had quite a rough ride through that tournament, to be fair. I think I, came, I think I came seventh. I'll tell you, do you want to hear my story about playing Ben Curry? Mm-hmm. Go on. I'm not sure if um, you want to hear this, but I'm going to tell uh, it anyway. Only if it's radio-friendly. Uh, it's reasonably radio friendly. Right. So I like a drink before tournaments. I like uh, Friday night and if I can do it, Saturday night. So I'm quite often in a, in a bad place, let's say, in the mornings. Inebriated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you start off quite well because you're still drunk and then throughout the day you get worse and worse. You were in an absolute state when you played me. You were recovering. Like you were like, yeah. I think when you played me, you were still a little bit drunk and you were coming out of it. And then yeah, carry yeah. the full experience. When you, when you wake up drunk and then you've got to live every part of your hangover, that's not good. Now imagine trying to play yeah. three hours of Warhammer. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. just not against Ben Curry as well. A bit, well, yeah. I mean, he was gorgeous, bless him. But we, um, we I went, I shook his hand, said hello, and I went, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm feeling a bit ill. I need to go to the, the loo. So I rushed off to the toilet. As I bent down to sit on the toilet, I sneezed, and that made me piss violently all over my own pants. <laughs> and, then that, and then the smell of that made me... Vomit. I'm not going to say it, obviously. So basically, <laughs> oh, you, you censored that bit, but the bit before, uh, it's yeah, fine. it's like it's like my pants, but like yeah. I had the worst time I've ever had. It was the it was probably the lowest moment in my life. And then obviously, I still had to continue on doing what I was there to do. So then I'm so basically the whole point of this is then I had to go back and play Ben Curry, and I had pissy pants the entire time. <laughs> 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 so, it was awful. It was awful. Um, but you see, even in that game, though, my army was so bonkers. He was using um, he was using that horrible Stormcast army that came down and just killed everything. And, uh, that was and a even then, combat, wasn't it? Warrior Brotherhood. Yeah, and that's it. And even then, my army was purposely designed to be just sit there and shoot. Um, and even then, I was almost in it. And you can see his Twitter feed. It's just like, I'm losing horribly, I'm losing horribly, I'm losing horribly. I was running out of batteries throughout that game. 
And then at the end, he wins because he did a couple of cheeky things. To be fair, it was my fifth competitive game of Age of Sigma, so I don't feel too bad about it. But there is a point to this story. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, we get into the... Uh... <laughs> that, um, that, um, that whole event is my first sort of foray into, um, you know, making sure that my list is good enough for an event. Because the games, I had a couple of games leading up to it, um, but I didn't want to go to an event and spend all that money and all that time and not do very well. Yeah. I needed my, I knew I wasn't a particularly good Age of Sigmar player. I needed a list that I knew I could sit down and if it all went pear-shaped, I could still rely on it. And at the time, Kernoff Hunters were the most point-for-point, point, probably the most point-for-point point best unit in the game, right? So I just took 18 of them. And it doesn't sound like, <laughs> it's not, there's nothing genius about it, but I think it, it, it highlights that I knew I wasn't particularly good so I needed to use a list strength to, to get me, because I wanted to be successful. I think you've got to want to be successful and you've got to know your own limits. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you have to be very good at Warhammer to be successful at it, no. if that makes sense. Because I'm a living example of that. I don't think I'm particularly mechanically very good at Age of Sigmar. But I, what I am very good at is being, well, I think very good at um, is being prepared, accepting my limits, knowing what they are, knowing what my strengths are, and applying that to the lists that I take. And then when you combine that with a, a pretty good knowledge of the meta or what you're expecting to see, based on paying a lot of attention <laughs> to what's going on in the world, um, then that that's probably why I've been reasonably successful, I think. Is that okay? Does that hate it in my own hole? No, you should, you should do it more, Darren. But basically what you're saying is that you're, you're kind of prepped. Your prep going into an event is almost more of your game than when you get to the table. 100%. Yeah, I think if you do, I probably do 90% of my work off table and then 10% of it is... I mean, I, I will create little maps of my deployments i, I will get that. my model back on the table and i will i will do my mock first turns just so that i know where i'm going to be does that make sense yeah, and i'll do that like that is i mean that's a level of i don't know if i'm too obsessed by doing that but i, I that's what i really enjoy is We're that not here on the weekend uh talking about warhammer <laughs> for like 72 hours because none of us are obsessive <laughs> so. we're good dudes mate and don't worry about it when when you say that, that's how I got to play like the Fire Slayers for ETC. When they after Six Nations, they were like, "You need to play Fire Slayers." I set up my table at home and I was just like, "Right, how does this work?" You know, yeah. I just set it up and I just went, "Right, okay, so everything needs to be here." And then I just pushed it about the table and then I set it up again and then I put my Stormcast on the other side and I played a game against myself yeah, just so yeah. I could figure out how it worked. And then I played like every time at that point when we were play testing, um, I was playing against the, a different army i was like can i just use fire slayers against it because i need to understand it mm -hmm. um so i like when i was playing against or like you know kieran harper or liam or, or when against it i was like right and it's just you have to you're me and you are similar as in like you need to understand how the thing works before you get into the game so that when you're at the table it's almost autopilot because you understand everything that's that's really important I, for me i think yes yeah. for each player there's a certain amount of decisions they can make before they get mental burnout. And the quicker you can get your opponent to that, that point, and the, the more you can delay that point for yourself, then the more successful you'll be in, in the late game. And one of the ways you can 
one of those way, one of the ways you can make sure that you you're prepped for decision fatigue is making sure you know what older you're going to put your 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 units down in, where they're going to be in the board, their physical presence. If that's already there and you've practiced it again and again, when you come to the table, you, you know what you're doing. You can also take that one step further and imagine what's across from you and have a plan, you know, against Seraphon, against KO, against all the big baddies that are out there at the moment, or back in the day, Slanesh, so that you're, you're, you're spending less time having to pay attention to what you're putting on the table. It allows you to put more attention on what your opponent's doing. And you can get so much information in deployment about what their plans are going to be in the future turns that you can then almost try and interrupt them. And that's, that's basically what, and I do that from like a list planning stage and, and so that I'm fully prepped because I know that I'm going to probably going to be hangover. So I, I can't be spending <laughs> <laughs> too much time concentrating on every little decision. I need to just whack it down and then my focus will be on my opponent. Um, and then, then what you want to do, obviously, try and make sure that you're the guy that's asking the questions. I'm a proactive player. I know I'm not particularly good at uh, Age of Sigma. So my whole gameplay is to make my opponent force mistakes from my opponent that I can then capitalise on so they don't notice mine. Because <laughs> 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 if you watch my games, you'll notice they're full of full of errors. You, well, you probably ex- yeah. experienced that when you played me, Russ, to be fair. I think you made well, we, we, to be honest, though, we we spoke a lot about with Anthony and and sort of across the stream already about being proactive and decisions and and analysis paralysis and and having even when we're talking to Richie, he's a very like I've got my plan, I go and execute my plan, but when he's playing mm-hmm. with KO, he's thinking I have to dictate. I have to be flexible and manoeuvrable and, and adaptable and he struggles with that whereas it's quite interesting to hear you say that you you're, you're trying to avoid decisions because that means that you're you're able to make better decisions because you're not making 50 of them you only have to concentrate on the five you need to make and I think it's yeah. really important yeah. is to understand when you write a list are you just complicating yourself out of a victory it's a bit like when you've got so many synergies and little rules, sometimes it's better to keep it simple. Yeah. Mm. But if you're able to handle the complex um, surgical kit that that is your list, that's going to give you an advantage over your opponent. If, if it's going to be, you being able to ask more questions they can't answer. And I think that's a really important skill um, to to do, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of competitive gaming in in any sense, but particularly with Warhammer, because it's almost uh, it's almost the more the more opportunities people have got to make a mistake, right? That's the that's the key to yeah, to force in the game. Jump on those mistakes because it's really important from like a psychological perspective as well. If you can capitalize on the mistake your opponent's made and they know they've made a mistake, then that that stresses you out, right? And the more stressed you are, yeah. again. Your, the front of your brain shuts down and all those stress hormones flood it and your mental clarity is no longer there. All my all my efforts in a game, well, not all of them because <laughs> sometimes I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like everyone else. I still get stressed out with bad dice. I try not to. I try to hide it. Um, but all my focus when I'm in a game, I'm always trying to think to myself, breathe, slow down, yeah. calm down, get your, get your head... Get your head right, 
don't show him you're on the ropes. <laughs> Get that chest up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Make him think that you're seeing something that they that they don't. Um, and then sometimes you can, and it's all about the late game. It's all about, and you've got to you've got to want it as well. Um, yeah, because we we did that with I when think- we talked about earlier. We said that like you know your 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 opponent's perception of your confidence and your demeanor is important so like mm. you can play in a very assertive way and very quick to make decisions rather than they might be bad decisions but you can kind of exude this like well i know that's yeah. gonna definitely win and people will play in a very different way i mean one of the games i won at the etc mm. i played a daughter's player and he had all the tools to destroy my sonesh army but it was obvious mm. that he didn't understand how sonesh worked and he castled and I just, I just obliterated him. And I was like, you could have picked my army to bits with your list, but mm. because he didn't play the game, yeah. he was always losing that game. And I was just like, yeah. you're playing to not lose rather than playing to win. Yeah, but he'd, he'd lost the game yeah. before he got to the table in yeah. the matchup process. So many people do that. Yeah. So many people do. I'd say as well, Darren, like you're one of the things that like, and I don't want to like blow smoke at your ass, but like in that French reign in the ETC, when I was, I'd gone to pieces because I was just, I'd just come out of that Swedish game and I was stressed. And I was like, we, I've got to play this French guy and I'm, I've never beat him. I played him like multiple times and you just took me to one side and just was like, right, you know what you're doing? You got real calm and influence. And you did that whole thing about being confident. Don't show your thing. Don't show, don't show if you make a mistake, just be confident to go into the game. And it was just, just that you're the whole way you approach it. When you, you sort of like took me to one side, it was just like, calm down, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> go and do it. You know what you need to do. And it was really good just to have somebody externally go, right, you know what your army does. You know everything that you need to do. Calm down. If you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. There's a reason you've been chosen. You're one of the best players in England. Go kick his ass. (laughs) And it worked, didn't it? Yeah, he quit 22. But (laughs) but it was still... But yeah, it was just like you're really good. Uh, the way you approach it was was amazing. What I need to, to is you and Jack just stood behind me for every tournament, and I'll be like, Darren's just motivating me, and Jack's telling me what to do, and then that's all I need to go win games. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not sure that's possible. It's just like um, I'm, I'm, he's a conduit for the excellence. He doesn't actually. Yeah. Um, but that's the great thing. But I, I think that that brings on to a good point about your kind of, um, I mean, your, your, I, I don't know if it's intentional, but even your Twitter handle at positive victim is, is kind of sums up probably your, your state in the fact that you, you're, you're, you're sort of this, you're really good at just reframing and getting people sort of into a certain mindset. And I know that like, even at the ETC, you're really good in the team because you're able to, um, you know, just just keep people buzzed and 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 with their tails up and that, and and give some really good sage sage advice, um, and whether and that's really really powerful. And I know you've been doing a lot of stuff online with like helping people with lists and things like that. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and how you got into doing that and yeah, yeah almost I, coaching, I guess it is. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. It's not, not it's not too in depth. Coaching is probably a bit of a strong term, but. I quite ever since the South Coast GT, when I did well with them um, with Seraphon, when they were not what they are now, <laughs> I had many um, many people sort of ask me for advice. You know, all these Seraphon players that were struggling, um, they wanted to know what you, what you're doing. 
how you're doing it, etc. And uh, someone introduced me to Lustre Online, and I wrote up some of my, some of my battle reports. You know, and I've got lots of feedback from people saying this has been really useful. This is this has helped me see this, that, and the other. Thank you very much. And I really, really enjoyed that. Helping people is great, isn't it? You no, know, it's one of the main ways people are happy is is to to give and, and to help. So I like to I like to be happy. It's my favourite thing to be. And um, so I got into that sort of more and more. And then as I guess my success got better, you know, when I made it into the Masters, etc., and sort of won, won a few events, then people were asking more and more. Um, and I get, at one point, I was getting like three people asking me questions a day about lists and, um, <laughs> you know, how to, what do you think of this list, etc. And by the way, we spoke about this earlier, just for people sort of watching, nine out of ten people are really terrible at asking for advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, it's not enough to just say, what do you, th- yeah, give, give someone a list and then say, what do you think of, of this list? Because um, that's not, yeah, I could tell you it's a great list or it's a bad list, you know. Yeah, and a lot of framed the time, it up there, they a lot, Well, a lot of the time as well, people just want to hear that they've had a good idea. So you, if you, what I found very early on when I said that I like this, but I don't like that, then people would get a bit grumpy and go away, <laughs> you know. So people, people are looking for. I think people, a lot of people are ser- searching for affirmation, aren't they? That they've had a good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. It's like positive reinforcement about what they're doing. And sometimes that's not the, you know. I think if you if you're going to go ahead and ask for for help, then you've got to accept that you might not see things the same way as someone else. Which is fine. Your opinion? What is it on this? Oh, it's not. It's not great because X or Y. I don't like your opinion anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But when you're when you're asking for advice, you know, not just me. If you're asking for you know asking for anyone, if you've got an idea for a list, then the person you're asking needs to know: Are you a proactive player or reactive? You get do you get negged out if things don't go your way? So, you, you know, you need to have a consistent list. You know, you're better off with Zinch that don't bother rolling dice, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Just better off with Zinch, full stop, aren't we? <laughs> That's how it works. Do you, do you like, do you find that you're more focused when you're fighting from behind? So take someone like Chris Myhill, for example. You know, when he's when he's losing, he, the switch goes and he ends up winning, you know, because he's... The scrabble, he's, isn't it? It's like he's then hyper-like. Yeah, yeah. So are you are you like that? Um, do you you know all all these all these various things? That's what you need to be then applying to your to to your list because you need to accentuate your your list should accentuate your strengths, not cover your weaknesses. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. And that's yeah. why we talk about in the past we've talked about copying someone else's list that they've been successful won't give you success because it's not written for you. It's written for them. And what you're trying yeah. to do is play you play their game, but you're 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 the one having to do it. And actually your strengths might be totally different and that list may they might, might find somebody similar to you that the list gels with. But generally understanding it's a bit like the Mortal Kombat, it know thyself and uh, use the element that brings life. No, let's not go down that route. Uh, <laughs> and then you know, like do you know what I mean? Like actually to 
to understand your strengths and weaknesses to think that actually this plays into my wheelhouse this is what i do this is this suits me whereas when you play a list that's someone else might be really good with it but it's completely alien to how you play warhammer you're just wanting to get frustrated taking some things yeah or like you know even like les and hello heart you know like yep. it's not yeah i should never have, i should never have took that hollow heart list like never it's just not it's not the way i play warmer i I'm, I'm like you Dan. i want to i don't it's almost like i almost don't care what my opponent does on the table i want to go i'm going here and if you don't deal with it i'm going to kill you i'm going there if you don't deal with that i'm going to kill you there and then yeah. it's like because i don't want to i ask the questions i don't you know that's how i like to play warmer i'm like do that do that do that and i don't always win i lose a lot of games but mm-hmm. I, I'm not one of these people that like. I don't want to consider what my opponent's doing. I want to ram home my agenda in the game and beat them that way, as opposed to going like, "Oh, if I move that there, they can go there, and then I'll counter that there." I'm not like that. I'm like, I want to go. I'm going to put nine eels on the corner of that table, and you're going to go, "Oh shit, how do I deal with that?" And yeah. then when you deal with when you've turned to deal with that, I'm going to put six eels on the other side of the table, and then you split your deployment just in time for me to then go in and do something else as opposed to being I'm, I'm a proactive instead of reactive player and that's yeah. why i should never took hollow heart because hollow heart you move forward you shoot something and then if it doesn't die you go and you'd have just sent me that hollow heart list and gone what do you think <laughs> yeah, yeah hollow heart list is great yeah. that wouldn't have been very useful advice would it um no exactly and, uh, people are people are terrible at asking for <laughs> advice on the whole yeah it's, it's being specific with stuff, isn't it, as well? It's like going, Darren, do you think this list is good? I want to compete. I want to go form one. I, I generally love Lism and say Seraphon. I want to go form one at an event. Do you think that I, there is a more balanced list that suits my aggressive play style? Um, or, you, you know, that's what how I like to play. I'd rather play aggressive. I want to go form one with this army. What do you think? And then, you know, or can you critique... That now you know that. Can you critique the list and maybe have something that makes it a little bit more balanced? And go like, I'm losing lots of games. I want to go for one one. I'll probably go in two, two and three. Is there any tweaks you can make to this core list that I enjoy playing? Yeah, to help well, me go. It's yeah, just to win about more. getting your problem statement sorted. So you say, what is the problem you're having? How can you help me solve it? Like, if you don't have a good problem statement and it's just, is this good? Does this nice? Yeah, yeah. Do we like this? Yeah. Who are you playing? Who are you struggling to get? What missions? Yeah, if you Something. say, I played this and I had a problem with why I thought this would have worked. It turned out it didn't. Was I just unlucky or or should I well, should I worry about this in the current matter? And you might say, well, in that situation, actually, you're, not, you're going to be behind, but actually not many people are playing it, so I won't worry about it. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, the, and the, the, the moment that... So the reason I do it so much, I think... Is, um, I was at um, Blood Tithe, mm. and uh, yeah. I got to, no, not Blood was it Blood Tithe? What's the... Blood the Shire? Blood, Blood the Shire, no. Steve Curtis. No, it was Blood Tithe, it was a team event Blood Tithe, it was the first one, yeah. and there was a team over from Greece, and uh, I got to, my opponent was a guy called Giannis, I think it's Giannis, hopefully that's how it's pronounced. Wonderful chap. So I've never seen anyone more smiley and more hammered than perhaps Dan Ford. You know, his crazy mm-hmm. manic art. <laughs> yeah. But he was the Greece version. <laughs> the Greek yeah. version. <laughs> he, was, he was just wonderful. He's like, that's I go on Lustra. <laughs> when I first play Seraphon, I lose all the time. I see your articles. <laughs> winning my games. Goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this massive hug. And like, just that thought that someone in, you know, another country could 
read what you've done, and it had a, and it have such a powerful impact on their their hobby enjoyment. That's yeah. one. That's, it's that's now an international team event, very possibly because of because of seeds you planted, which is damn cool, right? Yeah, oh, it's just yeah, wonderful. Do you want to say Evie wants to say hello? Come on then. <laughs> hey, this is our rescue team from Romania. Yeah, so so that was um, no, good girl. So that was, that was one of my favourite moments in Warhammer. Um, it was meeting Giannis, and then I tr- so I want to try and do that as many times as I can. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Another thing as well. So quite. Because a couple of people will say to me, I've had this before, like, why do you try and make everyone, why do you try and help people beat you? Um, and the the answer to that, you're only as good as the people you play. There's no point being a big fish in a little, in a little pond, is there? No. If you, when you're, when you're practicing and you're, 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 you're playing your friends, if you're beating them all the time, you're doing you it. You lose well, every practice game, right? And yeah, that idea. Yeah. Well, you should be, you should be, Afterward, you should be, you know, saying well, potentially because it's difficult telling a grown adult what they did wrong, right? But potentially discussing what 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 could have been done in those various situations. You should be trying to bring everyone well, around because that that gets you better eventually, doesn't it? Yeah, if everyone else around you is better, then you get better, and it drives it drives everyone forward, it's, doesn't it? So that's the that's like. I do it at club games. I played a, a guy at the club and it's just like I had a fire slayers and he ran like he had blades of putrefaction, blades on a unit of uh, plague monks and ran into the, charged into my fire slayers, like, you know, with the, the, the wall of 30 hearth guard. And I was like, okay, cool. I spend a command point. I'll go first. And he was like, oh, and I killed all 30 of them. And he was like, right. I was like, so don't take any of your models off. Let's say I don't spend the command point. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not going to spend the command point. Don't take your models off. Roll it now. And then he killed like 18 Hearthguard Berserkers. And I was like, okay, so that's fine. Carry on playing the game. I then won prior- killed them all, then won priority. And I was just like, so if I win priority now, I, I go, I charge two great and clean ones with the remainder of the Hearthguard block. Um, and what you've got left is a unit of Plague Bears on the back of the board edge. And he's like, yeah, how's that? So I win the game if I kill these great and clean ones and I win priority. He was like, yeah. I was like, so I'll give the priority away because we know what happens there. How do you yeah. come back from it? And it's like, it's that's kind of like how I played games at the club, just because I learned something then. So I know that the Earth God Berserkers, common sense really, could take <laughs> anything you know, in the game? No, I mean, 30 no. plague monks. Yeah. Per, yeah, anything in the game. Uh, 30 plague monks with blades on them at the time. And it's sometimes that's, it's when you're in those practice situations, you don't necessarily have to crush your opponent at the club. You can be like, right, well, we know that, that we've just come here on a Monday night. I've doubled you. I'm going to table you. I'll give the turn away and see if I see what happens if I didn't win, or mm. I, you know, or let's say that I didn't strike first. I think that's always good to learn when you're playing these sorts of games. I mean, I'm not sure if that's something that you would take into account or do yourself. I mean, I know you play Rick and um, and Chris a lot, don't you? So we practice a bit differently. I think we so the Bruce's. So if I go back to my <laughs> origin story, I, I forgot I missed out a huge part of that. Um, obviously, I'm from a, a gaming group, the Bruce's, in down in the south coast in Portsmouth, and I'm lucky enough to live ten minutes away from Chris Myhill, Rick Myhill. There's also Andy Scott that's there. We've got Wayne, Russ, Charlie, yeah. lots of Colin, lots of lots of Bruce's, and none of them are interested in the metagame. None of them are interested in powerful lists. None of them are interested in the internet. 
So we we live in our own little bubble. When we play games, you know, and they, we see them as practice games, we throw any old rubbish down, you know. Yeah. And what we practice <clears throat> isn't, you know, answering questions that we already know the answers to. What we practice is problem solving, because that's essentially what Age of Sigmar is. And I've been doing that with these guys since my early 20s. So that's nearly nearly two decades. <laughs> God, that's, yeah. that is frightening, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is eight years old? I saw that the other day. What? Ah! How old? <laughs> 30 years old. No. Oh, my God. Oh, cool. Anyway, yeah. So, so we practice we practice problem solving, and I think that's one of our our great our greatest attributes is the fact that we can we can rock up to. I, well, I feel really confident that I can rock up to any table, be presented by a brand new situation that I've never come across, but I've had so much practice problem solving that I'm pretty confident the idea that I'll come up with seventy five percent of the time will work. You know. Um, so I think when you are when you're practicing, not only practice you know those those games and go back and give the priority where etc. But I think that is super useful seeing what would have happened if you'd have lost the priority or won it etc. But also you don't always have to put down your amazing, really honed list. Try and try and win games with Doomfire Warlocks. You know, try and win games with with Cygles. Because <laughs> that's what that's what me and Rick and Chris have been trying to do for sort of twenty years, yeah. <laughs> and it works. It works. And you also learn a lot about how to get how to get value. So when you that comes back to practicing sort of list writing as well. You know what I like to do sometimes is pick a random unit and then try and work out a tactic based on that, and then design a list all around that all around that unit. And I'm, I'm, I've got no intention of ever using it. It's just the exercise of trying to maximise value, sort of out of it, and then have a little chat with someone and see if they and see yeah. if you can improve it. Um, it's adding knowledge as well, isn't it? It's like it's stacking up those things that you then know in the gut in the situation. And you know, we talked about it earlier on, where it's like I need to play a lot of games to understand how a thing works. Whereas if you've tried, you understand what your opponent's list does because you've played all of these quirky different things trying to get value out of it um in, and that's i think you can't that, that's something that i personally i think i need to do a bit more is maybe not like because like i think kieran harper and liam cook say to me i never switch off i'm always like always playing tournament warhammer i never play for fun it's always like tournament warhammer and that's it when i play you definitely play for fun <laughs> if you yeah. i always tell myself well i'm one thing that i'm terrible at is losing I hate losing. I've always hated it. I've always envied the people that can play a game, lose, and enjoy it just as much as they've they've yeah. won it. Because then you win every game, don't you? Um, so that's something that that I need to work on. <laughs> I'm getting slightly better at it. Um, but yeah, you can you can that 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 competitive mindset. Just try it. Just try using some out out there lists against other out there lists and you'll find that your I think your your perspective widens, your peripheral vision widens when you use yeah. these all sorts. Um, you've got nothing to lose there. Practice game. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's something I, I want to do a bit more of and uh, you know, hopefully with COVID if it ever if we ever 
get to see people again in person like i'd like to go to the club and play a few more games i mean obviously i'm i'm kind of like all in on the luminous stuff just because it like it really tickles my fancy but there's a couple of lists that i want to run that aren't 40 sentinels with x or uh, you know it's going to smash you but it's yeah it's you, gonna, gonna be well. you might find gold that's the thing if you yeah. you give yourself if you if you make your if you give yourself blinkers that it's only 40 50 60 sentinels that are any good then you might miss you might miss that beautiful that beautiful thing that that takes you over the edge always exactly, always yeah that's I'm looking forward to playing Russ with his slaves list because like Russ is Russ is finally diving into the Slaves of Darkness book, which is uh, going to be quite interesting to see what he comes yeah. up. With. Um, I'm sure you'd be. It's like wow, he's, he's Gavin Bellacore and then some stuff, any because that's the slaves army. <laughs> um, I'm well, actually the list. Um, you know the list I'm, sorry. Do you know what you're taking, or is that a secret? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, it, more for me, it's more a hobby thing so i really like warriors so i like i like armored knights and i've got an old warriors army that i painted and it was probably the best thing i painted but i've learned a lot and there's a lot of new techniques there's a lot of new models and i could do it a lot better now so what i really want to do is um reimagine that army you know like um do it again so the army will focus around chaos knights and warriors and and probably some untamed beast i'm not really in in the mood for putting in um marauders because I, I just really don't like those miniatures um so yeah i've actually just done yeah. 40 for a commission so i'm i'm really sick of them now uh but basically um yeah i don't know like i haven't i haven't gone down the journey yet and um i've written one list with lots of knights and no bellacore and i've written lists with bellacore and a demon prince and warriors and a couple of knight units untamed beasts or uh i've toyed with do i take a war shrine do i not take a war shrine i've looked at the manticore i've looked at um you know going for zinch going for going for corn going for nurgle uh mixing in uh rockbringer stuff mixing in blood secretor or blood stokers i mean it's there's so many options it's it's like it's kind of that, uh, i just know that then i was thinking how many options are there in that book it's, it's not, amazing it? yeah i know it's like a puzzle it's box them. of awesomeness but i think for me the biggest thing is i just really like the models so I just want to play with the models. Well, that helps on it as well. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty much everything. You can invest all this time into it, so you may as well take the thing you like, right? So same as you with, like, you, you love Seraphon, don't you, Dara? So, like, you know, whatever happens, you always have a Seraphon. You always do Seraphon, won't you, whenever it comes out? I, I managed to paint an army. <laughs> I know, I saw, mate. Thanks to contrast paints. Thank God for yeah. contrast I got it done in three months. Normally it takes me six months to do an army, which is why I borrow some <laughs> and then get dropped <laughs> at face hammer events. Livid. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, don't tell me your pin. I should have been not that not that I hold a grudge, but I should have been second when Luke Morton won, and I should have been third. But oh well. Yeah, but you you know <laughs> that was your own. I should have. I should have painted my model, shouldn't I? Russ? I think yeah, at the I'm south cool. coast, the worst thing it was like one base room you had to paint. <laughs> one model was based differently. It's like, oh, I know. It would have taken you like an hour max. At the time, I was livid. 
was so cross. Um, but now looking back on it, you know, I'm just, I was just an idiot. When I, I deserved it. You taught me a lesson. So thank you. It's not great it is me. difficult, isn't it? No, because like, you've got to army. You have to, you have to stick to it, don't you? I suppose. What's that, Byron? I've got. Um, I said well, it could have sponsored your finished army. Now you're like, well, I'm going to do it. Everything's going to be the same. And I'm not going to repeat that scenario ever again. No, that's true. That is true. But then I made, I, I did it again. <laughs> Third time lucky. Third time lucky. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't aimed at you personally. It was just... No, of course not. Of course not. I don't, I don't yeah. think that. I, did, yeah, I didn't think that. you don't realise that, that's fine. I mean, don't think that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I had a great yeah I just wanted to ask you a little bit about because we talked about like lists and, and very general sort of conceptually about oh you know being better at the game and what you should do I mean what what's your kind of um, when you go to events do you set yourself little objectives do you have a is it depending on the event do you is it is it kind of the mental exercise of I want to make this unit work I know you've touched on it but when you're going to a tournament for yourself what's your what what do you kind of do? Do, you, do you, what's your process for getting prepped and getting your list and armies together for an event? So if I'm so every event I want to fundamentally at my core win. <laughs> I hate losing, um, and I want to pretend that isn't the case. But if I'm honest, that is the truth. I want to win. I want to do. I want to crush my opponents. <laughs> I don't see them driven before you. That is the that's the ultimate goal, but. But so, so how I how I start that is you need to sort of think to yourself. I think a lot of mis- one of the mistakes people make is trying to design a list that's very good in one game. But when you're going to an event, it's got to be good across five games. So one of one of my first principles is I want my list to be as consistent as possible. I want to take as least risks as possible. You know. Um, if, if, if I've got a, a, a skink priest, for example, and I'm relying on getting that three plus, you know, be able to run and charge and plus one armor save, then I'm going to take two <laughs> because that isn't good. A three plus isn't good enough for me, right? No. I like Kairos. You see Kairos in a lot of my lists because he can just choose to, you know, to, to cast a spell or, or stop, a, stop an unbind. Um, and so I really like his reliability. And obviously, his two dice pick the highest, and he can he can pick other people's spells as well. So if you've got a really powerful spell like the Corruptor, him being able to cast it, find you know super super useful. Um, so a lot of my lists, so I try and make them as consistent as possible, and then I'm always concentrating on games four and five. So my list will be tech. And it will be geared to defeat what I expect to be in those later rounds. Because I've got a positive mental attitude. I'm going to get through the first three games, you know, through sheer will <laughs> and luck. And then if I haven't, if I haven't won one of those three games, then I'm just going to chill out for the I mean, I'm still going to try and submarine. I don't like losing, but I'm not going to be so famous. Yeah. But um, if for me to have my best shot, I've got to try and tech for what I think I'm going to be fighting in games four and five. And that'll be, and you can pay attention to what's going on around you, what's yeah. going on in the world, and what's being successful. At the moment, you know, you'd want to, you'd need to be, you'd need to be good against Seraphon. I don't think you'd necessarily need to be so good against Ko. They are quite scary, but I, I do find that they've got some terrible matchups, haven't they? So I think they're less likely yeah. to get 
it's all five and say seraphon, which will consistently get there. Zinch, obviously, again, they're so consistent. That's why they're there. Yeah. Um, and then, so you want to be, and, and eels, they've got the most, they've got the most impressive war, scape, war scroll in the whole game, haven't they? They just do everything. They've got all that intrinsic value in one, in one go. That's why eels fan lists do so well, because they've got all those rerolls. Um, and they've got all that maneuverability, etc. So I want to be designing lists that I think have got a chance against not necessarily hard counters to all those lists, because they probably don't exist hard counters to those lists now. They're so offensive, aren't they? <laughs> They're so good. They're so powerful. Yeah. But I just want a chance. And, and like I say, I'll go into those. Those are the ones that I'll be, when I'm doing my deployments and I'm imagining my first turns, etc. those are the lists that I'm sort of concerned about. So I will, I will try and take the. So I'll just my list will be consistent. <coughs> Something I can get a hold of as well, because I've got to be able to borrow it, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit limited, <laughs> but I will go out and buy and and con- contrast paint an army if I if I believe in it. Um, I got the seraphon yeah. because obviously I like I like lizards. Yeah. So have you done that? Gone out and painted this army because you believe in it? Is that have you done a seraphon list or the, the, the Sylvaneth, the yeah. first? Yeah, that's my first competitive event, and I, 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 I was the first three or four games I played, and I was trying to win with Sarah, um, with Sylvaneth back in the day. I was fannying about with um, uh, what they called one of the, the one of the sub factions, the one that teleports. Yeah, the one that tree remnants. No, no, it's the sub faction. Um, you can now, you now use a command point to teleport them. Oh, Dreadwood. Yes, there we go, Dreadwood. Um, so I, was, I, was, I had that and I had the formation that was in there and uh, I was losing my games and I realised that if I took out that formation in this key piece, I can fit in another nine, another nine um, hunters, you know, Colonel Hunters. Yeah. Um, so that was, a, and again, that, and I was just like, that is, that's going to win me the event because it's going to shoot off Shoot off the Stormcast heroes in those really good, those good armies, um, and also another thing that I like to have in my list are ways to deal with support heroes. I, I really like Reach. I really like to be able to. I think again, going back to Ben Curry, he's. I think he's seen a couple of my games when I've been at Blood and Glory or, or played him and played him. He describes my playstyle as surgical. I will. I like to be able to kill. Um, little support heroes, you know, as soon as possible. And there's a number of reasons. Um, firstly, I, like, I need little wins throughout the game. I've got a low attention span and I need to feel like I'm, I don't like to, I won't be shooting into a screaming bell because that means I'm going to be killing it three turns later. I don't like to do chip damage. I like to kill the warlock because it means something died and that's had an immediate impact on the game. And that's just because I'm a child. <laughs> like I need to, I need to kill it. I need to feel those wins, you know, and I know that about myself. So, but also when you kill support heroes, that means that their units deal less damage and die quicker. Yeah. So, so my, my lists will often have a lot of reach or, you know, consistent ways of doing damage. I really like the prime. I've always liked the prime. Um, you can come down and just put three mortal wounds anywhere. That's just, that's just bonkers. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. Yeah. So I like to, so if I'm going to gear up to win an event, it will be geared to be able to target specific heroes within those, within those factions 
hopefully table wide and hopefully without yeah. hopefully you, without um, the least amount of luck involved. Does that how does much that... yeah, how much emphasis do you put on being able to do that from turn one, Darren? Like you, you said uh, you're impatient and you need you you need your wins throughout the game. Are, are you way more likely to take something that has a slightly worse poke from the first turn rather than from like turn three with loads of setup? How do you approach that type of stuff? I will definitely always be one of the, I wanna be impacting turn one. It's why yeah. a lot of my lists have umbral spell port. Um I don't like it the yeah. thought of wasted turns. If you've got an army that's got no you know, that's got no reach, you don't have spell portal, you're just moving about in the first turn. That's a bit boring, isn't it? But also <laughs> you can't affect your opponent's deployment. You wanna be getting in their reds from the off you want you want to be able to them to know that you've got a spell portal and you can put your spell anywhere where am i going to put my heroes how can i defend against that you're asking questions without doing anything they're just looking at your list and they're already yeah yeah up and down, right and that's um, why i so think I, it's important to have something like with reach like you've got your you know your slave to darkness teleport spell it just means mm-hmm. that you have to think about that even if you're not going to cast it but they don't know you're not going to cast it you're not going to get it off if they don't think about it, you're in. You know, yeah. Rick's got a lot of success with his um, Lord on Carcatrack. Carc- How do you pronounce that? Carcatrack, Carcatrack. Uh, well, I'd like to say uh, Crackerjack, like the. Um, <laughs> but it's not how you pronounce it. But um, I'd be, I'll be picked up no. on it because I seem to pronounce a lot of things incorrectly. So. Um, <laughs> I say Carcatrack, but, I mean- but yeah, he's a model that I want to utilize in my army because I really like the model. Mm. And I think it's. Well, a lot of people be thinking about where's that big marauder block going to teleport, but they're not thinking about that little chap that can get in behind people. So you can you can take advantage of people's mistakes in, in deployment as well. Yeah. If you've got if you've got no way to reach out and touch them, you can't take advantage of any of their mistakes. And I like again, I need to be taking advantage of people's mistakes because I make so many of my own. I try and force more mistakes than I make. <laughs> so yes, Byron, I look to be, and I've said I'm proactive. So yeah, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be affecting them in deployment and in the first turn, absolutely. So a lot of my lists have got a lot of reach because of that. Yeah, by, uh, one of the things uh, I used to love about stream. Sorry, oh. sorry. sorry. As I say, it's one of the reasons why I like Stormcast so much is the. The, the ability to drop that comet down and that coupled with the prime um, or even like again I'm talking I like wax lyrical about Skyborn Slayers because I put two models on the table and go right deploy and then everyone just seems to go hang on what like mm-hmm. how am I going to deploy when he can be five inches in front of me on the first turn if he wants um, and then like if you've got the comet as well the amount of times that people just don't like i'll look at people deploy and i'll just go like i fit the comet there i hit all of their heroes on the turn and then if i do it like if i go second and then win the priority two into like one into two then it blows up again i kill all the support heroes yeah it's, you, you, <laughs> yeah and it's like it's, they only get caught out with it once and then they go oh god and then they just spread all their support heroes out which is then also a win for you because you're like well you're not buffing everything there because you you scattered across the table well, you're then free to focus on a flank, aren't you? And then sort of move yeah. yourself. Um, so you, I like win-win situations. That's a win-win situation, is it? They either cramp yeah. up and buggered or they, they split apart and they're <laughs> you know, that's what you, That's what your list should be doing, putting you in win-win situations. And you can... It's the same as the off. 
it's, it's the same with like when people are going to play against Teclas now, I think, with the Lumineth. It's like Teclas is going to drop that spell uh, through the spell portal and it's going to hit everything in your army. So you either have to accept the fact that you're going to take D3 Mortal Wounds off 90% of the things in your army or you try and spread out. But it's the fact there's such a massive area of coverage that you can't do it. So it's almost like I'm just going to bunch up and take it because I can't affect it anyway. I mean, that's kind of like but it also makes your opponent think then in deployment like you know there's nothing yeah. worse than than that's the thing i hate when i'm playing against somebody and they've got an army that makes me change the way i deploy or fundamentally how i want to deploy that's what you want <laughs> yeah that's what you want to be doing all the time because people aren't great at making stuff up on the spot no, so should... I want to deploy in a castle, and that's where I do it. And that's you know. And then if someone goes, "Well, I'm going to do this thing that stops you doing that," I'm like, "Ah, well, I either have to take what they're going to do, or I have to just separate out, which then means that I'm on the back foot from turn one." Another thing I find really, you know, quite poignant is you can explain what everything does. People can know what it does, but you know, reading about something, seeing it. And then, but actually experiencing it are two different things. And yeah. it's only through that, that, that experience of just how bad, you know, how many mortal wounds Croak can pump out. <laughs> how bad Prime is when he comes down or, or half guard. It's like when me and you played uh, 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 Blood and Glory, didn't you? And I, like, I kind of figured out, I knew we were playing, uh, what, what was it, three places of power on the stream, mm. Blood and Glory that year. And I was hungover. Um, and it was, I, I kind of, you had the, the just the, the, the sort of like you know the, the scissors to my paper because I had like the stormcast and you had all these mortal wounds and like, in my head I was like I knew that you kill all my heroes on the first turn but I didn't quite expect quite how how efficiently it just did it it was just like oh so you need to you need to play it don't you sometimes to see it and that was when I was rolling poorly as well because I rolled a double blood blood twice in that hero phase I know. But, that was well, such a fun game though but I didn't tell you it was sinking <laughs> No. Yeah, no, it was such a good game I, at one point I thought I was going to win as well and I was like right I think I, I think I've got this it's when I left Croak on like one wound or something I was just like oh man no, no. He, was a, he was a hero he was a, but again if I'd have deployed badly in that so that that is a, so that game plan Liz you know I, I yeah. knew what I was doing because that army is quite famous right so well, I already knew I already knew that I was deploying in a corner to, and then moving my Shadow Strike Sphinx up so your Judicators can come down and shoot Croak. Do you know what I mean? I already knew yeah. that. So when I was deploying, I wasn't thinking about it. I already knew what I was doing. And that allowed me to pay more attention to what you were doing. And then yeah. you, you notice the whole plan was, you know, I teleported to there, surrounded here, and the whole plan was to hold these for a couple of turns and then you could kill all your heroes and you could have win. Um, and yeah. I already had that plan in place weeks before I even knew I was playing it. <laughs> you know, that's, so that's sort of that's a, probably the perfect highlight of you know how how prepared you can be for a certain matchup. Yeah, it, you know, might be because that was a popular build, wasn't it? And well done. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Yeah, I'd like to say it's just my work, but it probably it wasn't. <laughs> but it's I just played it a lot. It's like rescue and cook uh, and me. It's all like all sort of like baits and ideas off each other, and then uh, you know, and then like, I'd take. You know, take an idea, run with it, claim it as my own. That's what I do. <laughs> no, no ideas are purely one person. We all chat to each other. No, I don't. I give credit exactly. to because we've all got egos. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Or narcissists are harmful. 
Yeah. <laughs> if it's not about us, we don't care. Um, <laughs> so I think, um, you know, it's been a really interesting discussion. I know we could talk about Warmer for like 10 hours um, if we were allowed to. Um, we do have um, Sean coming on in about half an hour. So um, I'm conscious sorry, that, that we're... Uh, no, no, that's fine. You're, you're on uh, one hour, so it's fine this one. Dude, like, you, you've so. been... It's been good good hopefully everyone's enjoyed the content because you've been like so compelling to listen to Dan. i love our little chats thank you you love me don't you let's a little bit <laughs> we we all love you but not that much <laughs> so um yeah but i think it's uh yeah thanks for coming on uh thanks for having me giving us an insight into your into your sort of method behind your your play and uh yeah it was uh it's interesting so thanks very much for your time stuff for people to learn from it, sure. it do you want to do you want to plug yourself there as well because like obviously yeah. there's some people watching and stuff like plug yourself up i do a list show with um uh rob on the honest war gamer we try and do it once a month i've not done management a little while because he's been getting geared up for the t-sport super series which i took part in last weekend and is fantastic um absolutely thoroughly loved it um, you can see me. You can, you can, if you, if you've got any questions you'd like to ask me, you're more than welcome to. I'm positive victim on Twitter. You can, uh, you can, you can message me there. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I don't always get back to you straight away because my DMs are normally chocker. I do my very best. Um, and I do a list show. And if you, if you do listen to that and you've got any feedback for me, I'd, I'd love it because I'd like to, I think if you're doing a show like that, it's all about communication. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'd like to get better at it. I don't think I'm particularly good at this, so I would like to <laughs> feedback on that would be uh, much appreciated. Well, I'd say um, post your links to your stuff in the general chat. We'll make sure they're in the show description when we put this on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Plug you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah. So, thanks for being on, though. Yeah, thanks very much, yeah. and uh, we'll talk to you soon. To make sure you don't miss out on any more Hammer to Your Face, subscribe to us on iTunes, add our RSS feed to your reader, and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.